Frank, I need to build something. And you are the only person that I know that can help me build it. Do you know what it is? Oh boy, I, I am so gonna fail at this. I, I built you something like six months ago or a year ago, or I don't, maybe it was 10 years ago and I still haven't even sent it to you. So uh, I'm a little nervous. Uh, I can't even guess at what you need. Now, you know my application, my cadence, shameless plug for my application, my <laughs> cadence. <laughs> uh, which app was that again? Uh, it's an application that you connect to a little Bluetooth sensor, you know, and it reads your RPM called Cadence, and it displays a number. It's a, it's an app that shows a number on the screen, Frank. That sounds terribly useful. Uh, I can't wait to purchase it multiple times and get the Pro Deluxe Pack Plus. That is great. Plus Deluxe <laughs> Super Turbo Edition. Now, Frank, yeah, <laughs> I test this app in the worst way possible. Now, go back nine months to when I first started development of this app, I had my spin bike, my sunny bike, which I put a link to the to my blog, how I built it, this little spin bike for 400 bucks. Now this little cadence sensor, and I literally went into the garage and I slapped the Bluetooth sensor on the bike, started pedaling, had my laptop balanced <laughs> on the handlebars with an iPhone plugged in debugging it so I could add breakpoints. That is literally, Frank, how I developed this application. I'd love it. I love it. I mean, if there isn't some kind of phys uh, risk to physical injury or bodily harm while you're doing development, are you really doing development, James? I, I think this is like, yeah, hard level game level. I love it. I really wish you had taken some pictures or you were doing some YouTube streaming because I would have loved to have seen you like clickety clacketing away on the keyboard while you were balancing on that bike. Now I may or may not have dropped my laptop or phone <laughs> several dozen times, but they all survived Frank. Now, since then I've progressed, I've, I've, mm. I've, I've learned. And, uh, now what I do, since the app just basically works is now I'm in testing mode, right? I make a bunch of changes. I know I'm not going to break that logic that that actually is doing the you know connection and parsing the stuff. So if I'm making UI changes, all I do now is I is I take the sensor in my hand and I just go in a circle motion. So I'm still <laughs> doing some physical exercise. I'm just like you know, oh my God. and the numbers are not consistent. They're all over the place, right? Because that's that's not correct, and my arm can't do that. Um, but Frank, oh my God. Oh my God. I'm so excited for what you're about to ask me. I'm sorry. I'm getting ahead. James, what do you need, James? Well, <laughs> Frank, it's really annoying to, 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 you know, be at my desk and then do this thing, which gives me very inaccurate numbers. It works. And then to actually have to still go outside, install my application. And I do a spin class, actually test it. I was thinking this afternoon, man, wouldn't it be great if I just had a little tiny robot that I could slap a sensor on and I could set the RPMs and it just went in circles and it basically did the thing that my arm is doing, but I'm an idiot for nine months doing this. <laughs> I absolutely love this idea. I know for a fact I can build you something very dangerous and very clunky. Uh, it's going to work great for a few months and then it's going to break a window and I am so excited to make all this happen. I, I have it all planned out in my head. It's going to be called the Armtron 3000. Um, <laughs> uh, what else? What else? What else? Um, this is so exciting. It's funny. Um, you know, in hardware, when I first started working at General Motors, there was always, you always built hardware twice. 
you built the real hardware that was going to go into the car and interfaced with the car and, you know, did all those car-y kind of things. And then you built what was called the bench version, the test version. And it's all the same fundamental electronics and everything, except you build something that's actually testable. <laughs> and you're, for us, that was usually like fake uh, blower motor doors and fan controls and, you know, knobs. I love the knobs. You got to have giant knobs on your test devices. But you would build that because it's just not convenient slash dangerous to be testing your all your software changes on actual running hardware with big machinery behind it. Much safer to do it in the lab. So you're actually following a pretty classic uh, engineering um, pattern. Yeah, let's go with the pattern architecture here. <laughs> yeah, I, I was thinking in my mind that... Yes, I cannot be the only person, and you've now validated it, that needs to spin things. Um, <laughs> I much. love this. I'm, I'm so excited for Armtron. <laughs> Armtron. Now, I was thinking that it would be a little bit less of an arm and more, more of, a, as a, of, a, of a crank, cranktron, mm. because mm. we call it a crank arm, right? So, <laughs> okay. Now, now, here's the cool thing about these sensors, Frank, is that they don't need to be vertical or, or they can be parallel with the ground, right? They don't need to be vertical, a T with the ground, right? I was thinking it'd yeah. be like more of a helicopter. So here's what I'm thinking. Now tell me, I've never done IoT, obviously, besides my non-IoT stuff, because I asked you to do stuff. Here's what I'm thinking. I'm going to need a finger bajubi. I'm going to need to put <laughs> some code on the thing of a job. Mm. And then what I'm going to need is I'm going to need like a rotor thing that goes in circles. And then I'm going to need a popsicle stick. <laughs> and I'm going to then need to glue that popsicle stick on the twirly thing. And then I'm going to need to rubber band the sensor on to the popsicle stick. And then we've done it. Is that about correct? I, I, I hate to say this, but that would probably work for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you should add some sparkles just to make sure luck is on your side. But yeah, that, that sounds vaguely valid. You know, it's not so different from what you would actually build. I built something very similar to this. I wasn't using one of the off-the-shelf sensors, but they make very cheap IMUs, inertial measurement unit thingers. I forgot what that was in, in, in your lingo, but they contain an accelerometer and a gyro, and they are really cheap. They're kind of wonderfully cheap. And you can buy like a pack of five or six of them for 10 bucks, and you just strap them on. So I wanted to make sure that the physics in my head was correct for these devices because, you know, things can be weird. Physics is hard. And so I actually built something very similar to this. I 3D hmm. printed... Uh, and uh, kind of a disc, think of a disc, uh, right in the center of it, I put a battery that seemed like a really safe place to put a battery. The problem with spinning things is if you have wires, the wires have to spin also. Uh -huh. And it's really easy to create knots and get things tangled up and all of that. So the hardest part of spinny things is separating the spinny and the non-spinny parts. <laughs> wow, <laughs> so technical. <laughs> the rotor and the stator, sir. <laughs> we got to separate the rotor and the stator. So what I did was, I actually put the battery and the electronics on the rotor, the, the spinny part. And that way I didn't have to have any wires coming down to the stationary part. Mm -hmm. There are more uh, expensive and fancy things involving lollipop sticks and glitter that actually um, 
golly, what are their names? I don't know. They 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 take care of that connection problem for you using um, uh, co-centric cylinders that make electrical contact. You know, all sorts of tricks for this kind of stuff. But you have a pretty classic problem there, and it's pr- pretty solvable. I do love that those sensors can be reoriented. And that makes sense. Just going back to that um, IMU that I was talking about, they can be in any orientation because they're three-dimensional. Yeah. So what I'm assuming the software just looks at whichever axis is rotating the most, and it just assumes that that's your crank. Crank? Is that the word? Crank. Crank arm. Now, the beautiful part, too, at the same time is that it could be a helicopter thingy, or I could just like super glue it to the wall, right? Like the Ooh. the board to the wall, and then it, it would it would also work the same because if if it if it if the if the board is the base, you could also then attach it and, and make it you know vertical or whatever. So what do I need? What do I need for this thing, Frank? Do um, I, I have a uh, I have a meadow board that mm-hmm. I uh, I got and I kickstarted. And then I, I don't have a soldering iron. So that seems like a, <laughs> that's going to be a problem. Um, so, so walk me through what are the parts to build this spinny thing? It doesn't seem like yeah. it's a lot, but if, if I was doing it low key, super budget, like, Hey, I got, I got $5 and 25 cents in my pocket. Mm. And then <laughs> oh boy. let's say, Hey, I got, I got a 3d printer. I got $4. I got, you know, $18 in my pocket. Like what, oh what, what type of things? <laughs> Do I need to build this spinny thing? <laughs> okay. So you will need a motor, James, uh, just to give your arm a break, I guess, and so that you don't have to have a proper crank or something like that. We could probably come up with something with rubber bands and, mm. like, you know, store some energy in the rubber bands and let them unwind. But let's throw that idea aside <laughs> for the moment and buy ourselves a motor. Uh, the trick here is there are all sorts of electrical motors out there. There are common ones in America are three-phase inductor motors. Those are your basic fan that you plug into the wall. They just kind of take the power from the wall and just shove it into a motor and then it starts <laughs> spinning. <laughs> Those are great. Um, the problem is they only spin at 60 hertz <laughs> unless mm. you have a gearbox or something because that's how the power in the wall spins around. So that is your motor. You're going to throw that away. That's not going to work for you. Throw it out. Uh, there's another kind of motor called a dc motor these are the motors we grew up with as kids they are in pretty much every toy we ever had as kids that uh spun something your classic dc motor everyone loves them because they're really easy to use you just shove some dc power onto two ports and the thing spins okay So, so that's like an rc car yeah. Okay. RC cars, uh, not modern RC cars, though. We'll, we'll get to modern. I was very careful to say our childhoods, not yes. current childhoods. Okay. <laughs> yeah, because technology has improved. The problem with those DC motors is they often had these like copper brushes on them. Do you remember the copper brushes as a kid? They would spark sometimes. You could mm-hmm. look into the motor. Yeah. I don't know. Parents and sparks. Parents don't like sparks. So <laughs> brush, uh, brushed motors are going a little bit out of fashion these days, but they're super cheap. Okay. Another kind of motor, a far more interesting kind of motor, is a permanent magnet DC motor. I really hate those that name for it. Uh, in school, we called it a synchronous machine, a three-phase synchronous machine. It's a much worse name now that I think about it. Anyway, (laughs) it is uh, 
another three-phase motor, so it's complicated. It's a complicated motor. But the neat thing about it is it has magnets in it. And who doesn't love magnets, James? I love magnets. Magnets. I love that. Yeah. They're the future and the present, turns out. (laughs) So these motors are awesome. They have uh, created the revolution that we're seeing right now with drones and uh, electric skateboards and hoverboards and electric bikes. Those are all these... I'm sorry. I'm I'm getting all lost in names because I absolutely hate calling them brushless DC motors. That's what, <laughs> but that's what the internet calls them. That's what I'm going to call them on this podcast. <laughs> uh, so those are motors, but that's only one part of your problem. That's getting something to spin. So out of that selection, James, which one sounds the most wonderful to you? Um, it's a good question. Well, so it's going to be based on my needs. So my needs, yeah. Frank, are I need this spinny thing. It doesn't have to go that fast. That, that's the thing is I think that it would be fine if it went from zero to 50 rotations per minute. I mean, when you're spinning, you do go up to like 120 ish or so, yeah. but ideally to test it, I don't need it to go that fast. I just need, I, it could go it, MVP, minimal viable product. <laughs> it needs to go 20 rotations per minute. Okay. 20 RPM. But I kind of want it to go fast. You know what I mean? Like I kind of want it to be a little realistic. So let's say, let's say 50 as a minimum. Okay. Okay. Zero to 50. I have, I have good news for you, James. Uh, Fast is easy. Okay. (laughs) Motors love to go fast. (laughs) (laughs) But not too fast, Frank. Not too fast. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it's slowing them down. That's hard. (laughs) They really want to spin. In fact, like uh, if you were just to go on Amazon and go buy like the cheapest BLDC, brushless DC motor out there for like a drone, it would be 15 bucks and it's going to spin at like 15,000 RPM. Oh my God. So yeah, it might be a little much for a Cranktron 3000. (laughs) so in addition to a motor and it kind of doesn't matter if you get a a dc motor one of these brushless dc motors you need to get what's called a speed controller so Ah. this is where control engineering falls in because you said very explicitly you want like a little dial or something so you can dial in exactly what speed to rotate yeah because 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 i think that that's one thing is i was thinking about it today is I need to make sure that it's not only like I would see it go up and go down, right? Obviously, when I turn mm-hmm. it on and off, but it would be nice just to have a little bit of control over that. If if let's say I needed to test some logic where it's like maybe I did need to go to 200 and see what happened, you know, see what my app does or 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 ideally one thing that would be really cool is inside my application, I do charts and graphs and that literally is the RPM up and down over time. So even being able to co-sign it and say, hey, do Ooh. a you know, it's 25 up to 75 and down to 25. Like that would be pretty cool to map out. I love the idea of the hardware unit tests that actually spins up a nice dangerous device glued <laughs> to the wall with glitter. <laughs> this is going to be so fun. <laughs> so uh, it, it, the, the trick now is this uh, problem of measuring your speed. And pretty much for every application, you need to measure the speed of the motor because the motor doesn't really want to tell you how fast it's going. It's kind of a dumb device. You feed it power and it goes faster. That's kind of the case for both DC and brushless DC motors. Give them more power, they go faster. 
So your trick is to increase and decrease that power to match the exact RPMs that you want. And in order to do that, you got to measure the RPMs. Now, in your case, what's super cool is you have an app and a sensor to do that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So in your case, it's a little tricky, not tricky, but uh, you have the option of you could just use that sensor itself or uh, do something even more, even more clever and buy a high quality speed controller. And this is something I've actually been getting into. I like building those balance bots, you know? (laughs) Yeah, balance bot. Yeah, balance bot. So I'm working on balance bot Mark IV. And it's 40 pounds and five feet tall, which means it needs some power. It needs some energy going through it. And the previous versions of the balance bots, I never bothered to measure the speed of the motors. Because it turns out you can kind of balance without measuring that speed. So I never put one of your RPM things on. I never put an IMU thing on. I never paid for an expensive speed controller because I just didn't care. But with this new version of BalanceBot, I do care. I want to know how fast those wheels are spinning. (laughs) And so I found myself in a dilemma of, oh boy, I got to buy a speed controller. And let me tell you, the world is not a fair place. There are two kinds of speed controllers out there. There are the industrial ones used by professionals with very expensive hardware, big plugs, big cables, big switches. They're kind of cool, actually, really cool. But they're very, very expensive. Uh, These are called... They're, they're not always called speed controllers. Sometimes they're called a driver or just a controller. They can have all sorts of different functions. If you have what's called a servo motor, instead of controlling the speed, you're controlling the position of the motor. Mm. But it's really just that difference. Are you, you know, are you saying, I want it to go this fast, or are you saying, I want it to go here or there? That's the only difference between a servo and a normal motor. It has this built-in controller. So I was uh, working on my little robot, and I ran into a really nice project. It's called uh, VESC. The V is for Vetter, and I'll make sure we get a link into (laughs) the show notes here. And I'm super excited by it because it's open source software. It's actually kind of old. It's from 2015, 2016. Mm. And it came out with the kind of electronic skateboard craze and the electronic bike craze because no one wanted to spend $2,000 for an industrial controller. Uh, They wanted to spend much less and ideally get some open source hardware out there. So although you can go onto Amazon and buy some like e-bike controllers, and I even tried this, I even tried this, I tried to be cheap for like $20. (laughs) They just uh, didn't work for my application. And so I uh, looked into these VE. SCs. I hope I'm saying that correctly. And I've been super excited because it's open source hardware with open source software. You spend a lot of money, but you can change a billion parameters. And I love it. Okay. okay. Before we continue on this IoT spinny thing, thing here, can you describe, because you're a hardware guy, mm. the difference between like why the open source hardware part of that is important? Like, what does that mean actually? Uh, what does it mean? So in, in the case of a electronics, it usually means a circuit diagram plus, because we live in a microprocessor-based world, some software, the firmware. So yeah, like a bunch of CAD files and some C, C code, usually poorly documented, <laughs> poorly written C code. Uh, bombs dropped. 
So that's usually what you mean by open source hardware. And you'll see um, a lot of companies doing this. SparkFun is a little kind of hobbyist robotics kind of company. And they release all their hardware as uh, open hardware, where all the diagrams are in GitHub and all the source code that you need to access that hardware Hmm. are in GitHub. Got it. That That makes sense. So if you actually wanted to go in and change a bunch of stuff, you could. You absolutely can. The best part is if you ever want to modify it or maybe merge it into a bigger board or something like that, you know, for your project, you you only have $16 and some glitter. So we're probably not going to create custom boards or anything. Mm. But once you have a project that you want to do, you know, 10 of, 20 of, 100 of, who knows, you usually want to build a custom board or something like that. So instead of starting from scratch and building all your own design, you can copy and paste. (laughs) You just open up um, a few reference boards, copy that, paste it into your project, open another reference board, copy it, paste it into your project. I wish it were exactly that uh, simple. Of course, electronic software is terrible (laughs) 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 and that copy and paste operation may not work but the idea is there in the same way that open source software has it that you have a bunch of people's eyes on it and they're always contributing back improvements so with all these kinds of projects you'll always see like a version one a version two a version three and that's almost always because someone was looking at the circuit diagram and thought oh you know there's a better way to do this and you should do it this way. And then it gets improved over time. So I wouldn't say necessarily you're going to change in the hardware. You're going to change the hardware, but the community, the world is changing the hardware. And if Got you it. spot a mistake, then you can post it. That makes sense. Just like you have open source software, open source operating systems, people turn into a new thing. Like, you know, Linux has evolved and there's many flavors of Linux, right? And there's also there's Android, right? And there's all sorts of things that are built on top of the ecosystem. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Plus, uh, uh, you do have some software involved. Uh, And and so this was super exciting. Now, the potential is you have all these CAD files, you could send them off to be manufactured and mailed in. And in fact, I was considering doing that because, you know, what the heck, you know, I'm fun. I like soldering. (laughs) But I was watching uh, YouTube where (laughs) someone actually did that. And the amount of parts that they had to solder, and they're much better solderers than I am myself. And they had such a hard time. And out of the two boards they made, neither of them worked. And it turned out building it yourself only saved you about $20 Mm. off of the price of just ordering it from Amazon with Prime. So guess which one I did? You, I assume that you soldered it yourself. No, I wish. I wish I was that ambitious. No, I'm a (laughs) lazy old man. I ordered it. Anyway, these things are a bit out of your price league. They're like a hundred bucks, but for what they do, I know. I know it sounds like a lot, but I swear to you, like those industrial controllers, which they're really replacing, are in the thousands of dollars. Got it. So, yeah, it's not as it is bad. It's why robots are expensive. It's why electronic skateboards are expensive. You know, um, these things have not come all the way down in price. But if you're a small shop, you can take advantage of these open source designs and do it. For you, James, I think we're just going to have to bargain bin shop. Uh, we Now, the nice thing about these um, speed controllers is that they obviously have to measure the speed, just like yeah. you have to do for your application. They're doing it kind of for wholly different reasons, but there, and <laughs> but there's a few ways you can do it. Um, the most 
kind of famous way that everyone does is magnets. Magnets, more magnets, James. Uh, Hall effect sensors. So you put a few coils around, um, whatever. You put a bunch of coils (laughs) around your motor, put a bunch of wires connected to them, and you measure uh, the inductance through those. And that will tell you how strong the magnetic field is through it. That effect is called the Hall effect. And from that, you can figure out how fast the motor is spinning. If all that sounded really complicated, it's because it is. And (laughs) that's why we need open source hardware so that uh, people solve these problems. You actually can do it. I remember as a part of um, my studies as electrical engineering, we had to do it ourselves. And it was terrible and it barely worked. But it's totally, it is doable if you spend enough time and you're very careful. So although that is a neat way to do it, I still don't think it's going to fit within your $16 budget. But I have another, I have another way. Okay, I'm oh, ready. I'm, I'm ready I, for your, your cheap way. Hit me. <laughs> this way is so much more fun anyway. You, um, you use an infrared light and you cut a bunch of holes in the uh, thing that you're spinning around, the spinny part. And you keep the uh, a little... A little light-emitting diode in Uh. LED shines a light. And there's another little uh, little diode that receives that light. And it's called a photodiode. And if it's bright, (laughs) it's like an on-off switch. It detects if something is bright or dark. And you just watch those pulses, bright, dark, bright, dark, come through. You do a little bit of math based on how big the hole is, and you can figure out exactly how fast that object is spinning. And in fact, uh, if you go buy like a kid's robotics kit or something like that, almost definitely there's one of these kinds of uh, infrared encoders built into it somewhere. Now, what's cool about that is I just watched a video on, I watched a lot of like video game like vintage <laughs> video game stuff. And there was a Nintendo NES, so an NES controller called the U-Force. And it was motion controlled. And do you know how they detected the force that you moved your hand in and out? An accelerometer and IMU? Nope, IR sensors. So what they did <laughs> really? is they had an IR blaster and receiver, right? And, and then what they would do is they could measure how high or low your hand was based on the IR that would be bounced back and receiver. They had a whole bunch of issues, of course, with it because the IR things were too close and light and light leakage (laughs) and all this other stuff. But funny enough that you literally talk about that because how cool would that to be is you, you, you modify the speed that it goes by moving your hand up and down at a certain range and it figures out how fast you want to spin this thing. Oh yeah. Those, Those are cool little sensors. I've used those before and, uh, little projects yeah uh they're great until what like a mirror or something (laughs) those don't work very well on them but they're neat i'm sorry i'm just lost trying to remember their product number i think i used to get them from phillips they were like 15 dollars. i loved them so much i built a little robot that followed you down the hall using them back in college days well let me ask you a question frank because i think i might not have to spend any money because what What? How, how, how can you possibly build Cranktron? Now, 3, remember, I mean, maybe I'll have to buy a popsicle. So remember at the beginning of the podcast when I said I kickstarted the Wilderness Labs Meadow board and the full hack kit pro, and yes. I didn't ever do anything with it? Now, is there stuff in there, Frank, that I could use? You've talked about all these motors, these sensors, all these things. Are there things in this thing 
that would let me do the thing. <laughs> yes, there are. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I don't remember the full pack, but uh, there's definitely a motor in there. And you can definitely uh, glue your lollipop stick to the motor, and that can be part of the crank. You're going to need something a little more sturdy than that, though, because how, how big are these sensors? Are they heavy at all? Uh, no, they're a few ounces. They're really light. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So you'll have a motor from there. You'll have your lollipop stick uh, connected to the sensor. Then from there, uh, it's it's a little bit tricky uh if you want to do i'm pretty sure both of those diodes are on there Hmm. so the biggest trick for you would be to build the frame you know kind of the thing that holds everything together Mm -hmm. because if you're doing that diode trick to know how fast something is spinning then by necessity those have to stay still Mm -hmm. and the other thing has to spin so you, you get into a little bit of um craft making so what you do is you get an Amazon box <laughs> and you mount all the sensors into the Amazon box yeah. and you have the thing spinning inside there, you know, roughly something along those lines. There are even more alternatives, though. You could um, even just glue one of those IMUs. They're very cheap. They're well within your budget. Mm. You can glue one of those to the lollipop stick also, have that spin around, and that has a gyro on it. And that gyro will tell you how fast it's spinning. Isn't that neat? Yeah, that's super cool, actually. That's really cool. So it's kind of like, yeah, it'll. Oh, that's oh, that's neat. So so, yeah, it'll actually relay that information for me because it knows how fast it's going. Yeah, exactly. Honestly, it's probably the same chip as what's in those other sensors, you know? Probably. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what you would have to do is uh, wire up one of those chips to the net, what I almost call it the Netduino, <laughs> the Wilderness Labs um, F7. You'll put a battery onto that spinny part also. And then you'll have to do some like Wi-Fi communications or some Bluetooth only because you don't want to have wires coming off of the spinny part. We want to keep all this wireless. Yeah. So you would you would have to program that stuff, but I bet you you could program that pretty fast because it's just C sharp code. I use the um, HTTP listener, I think. I think that's uh, what Wilderness Labs uses. And you can put a web server up in C sharp and what? It's like five lines of code. I mm. love putting up web servers in C sharp. Yeah. Boom. Man, that'd be yeah. super cool. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you glue all that together with your not soldering iron. You're going to need a soldering iron or I'm going to need a soldering iron, something like that. And we'll have this uh, sensor and we'll have your sensor and we'll have a lot of Wi-Fi traffic and we'll pray that they're not rotating so fast that it breaks all the Wi-Fi. And I think this can happen. I'm excited for this. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited. I want it to happen. I don't know. I want to build it live. I want to you know, I always am jealous of you when you're soldering stuff and building stuff out <laughs> on your stream. And I'm like, I could do that. That's a thing I can do. But this whole, you know, thing that I want to build, it seems simple, but I know it's not. I know it can be simple, but not the most simplest thing. But it scares me, even if it is simple. You know what I mean? Because I don't know what I need yeah. to do. And why do I need a soldering? I need to cables need to go in things. 
Yeah, I mean, it's just so that you can connect things to things. Oh, okay. Otherwise, how would they be connected? So, Might for example, burn, burn the house down if it's a soldering gun. Mm, I doubt it. Oh, okay. Maybe a little spot fire. Oh, you okay. Know, add a little patina to things. Okay. <laughs> well, okay. To answer your question honestly, it's because uh, the Wilderness Labs Meadow is one board with a bunch of holes in it. You've seen mm-hmm. it. Yep. And when you go to buy this IMU, the MPU 6050, I think that's the one I use, mm. uh, that's going to be a little board with a bunch of holes in it. So you got to get the electricity between those holes. That's that's what the soldering is. So you get a wire, you put the wire between them, and you uh, connect the wire to the boards via the solder. It's it's really not bad. I know you've put it off for a while. I've always been on this show. I've probably tried to convince you to buy a soldering iron 10 times, but maybe this project will do it because I'd love to see you do it on the stream. I haven't been streaming very much myself lately, so I'm just egging you on, I think. Got it. Yes. Yeah. I want to do it. It's a thing that I need to do because I can't keep rotating my hand and arm in the air, Frank. <laughs> I just can't do it. Can can I tell you about one more really cool ESC out there? Another open hardware one? Uh, yeah, I'm ready I know, for me. I, I know you're probably not going to want to pay for this one either because this one's $150. We're going up in price. <laughs> but the neat thing here is this is, I, you know, I, I'm not sure if I want to... Sorry. So they're in open source hardware, open hardware. There is like a foundation out there with a cute little logo and you put that logo on your hardware, blah, 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 whatever. Uh, Most people just put a license on their stuff. So there is a board out there called O-Drive and it's from a company called O-Drive Robotics. And I just want to give them a shout out because I never knew about them and they're beautiful little boards. So I was super excited about my VESCs from before, but they were from like 2015, 2016. They've been improved over time, but really they were designed for electronic skateboards and electronic bikes. Um, They can do so much more because they're open source. People have added feature after feature, but they're getting a little curmudgeony. And uh, this new O-Drive thing is really cool because it is two controllers. So you can control two motors. Look at that. So instead of two 100-hour controllers, you can have a 150-hour controller. And it's still, um, I'm not sure it's open source hardware in that they're taking improvements from the community, but they are still releasing all their schematics and everything. So you could yourself assemble one and not pay them a dime and build out one of these boards. And all the firmware is available with an MIT license. Hmm. I should go back. One thing I don't like about the VESC is that it's a GPL code. And I, you know me, I hate the GPL. So <laughs> I'm, I'm attracted to this O-Drive thing um, just because I prefer its open source license. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> so I think um, for Balance Bot Mark V, I'll be using one of those O drives. I just, I was so excited by it because it's someone who, if when you just go to the website for it, they they talk about how like these are things really aren't that complicated, and there's no reason we should be spending so much money um, for things that don't work the way we want. So these boards are really convenient if you're doing robotics or anything where you're just going to control a motor because those things come up. And I think it's fantastic. And I love this open hardware world that we're living in. Very cool. I love it. I, I, you know, you came on when we first started talking about what we were going to talk about today. I didn't 
you probably didn't think we were talking about spinny things on a, on <laughs> no. a board. No. Um, and I know you're a, a fan of spinny things because of, of balance bot. We've talked about balance bot on the podcast before. And, uh, I've recently been, you know, coming up with a lot of brand new robot ideas too. So you spinny arm bot, if you will, <laughs> is only the first thing that we'll probably end up talking about or second thing I should say on this podcast. And the cool part about you is that you're very in tune with what's happening in this world and I am not. So I appreciate all of your guidance and all of your help, Frank. Yeah. And I should say, I, I'm, I, I try to stay up to date too, but this world is so big that it, it's really impossible, but ah, yeah, I, I got into programming because I love doing hardware. So I got to, got to keep doing it, James, forever and ever. Hey, did you see that Amazon just, we love talking robots, so we have to talk robots for a second. Did you see that Amazon has released a new robot? No. What robot did they release? The Astro, I believe it's called. It's kind of cute. Again, it's an iPad on wheels. (laughs) (laughs) Weren't we talking about that from the, uh, what was it, Samsung or Sony did, uh, did one of those? I did I get that right? Is it called the Astro? I think it's, it's called the Astro. Yeah, it's a thousand dollars. Oh my gosh, it's a thousand dollars invite only. MSRP is going to be fifteen hundred dollars. <laughs> so at least you know that two hundred of that is probably going to the motor controllers. We we've covered that much today. <laughs> These things are expensive for that reason. I'm not sure it really does anything, <laughs> <laughs> but it's super cute. I'm not going to buy one. I keep telling myself I'm not going to buy one, but it's super cute anyway. Amazon has a robot now. Just had to mention it. It's all happening. It is happening. And it's funny, I, I'm watching the release video and like, I think they've like put like flames behind it or something. Oh my goodness. It's very <laughs> cute. I'm about cute robots. It's very, very nice. And you could build one of these things yeah. with, with all the things that we talked about on this podcast today. Pretty much. Absolutely. Oh, it In charges fact, itself. Oh my goodness. Cute. It's important. Yeah. Um, in fact, like all these advanced speed controllers that I'm talking about do even more than that. Like you can plug the IMU, the inertial measurement unit, the gyro right into it, click a few check boxes and it'll do balancing by itself. So there's like, I'm, you know, I'm contributing nothing to this space <laughs> because it's already like built into a lot of these open source pieces of hardware. But then again, um, I'm building a 40 pound five foot robot and no one else seems to be doing that. So I'm excited for its window breaking capabilities. Amazing. Oh my goodness. Well, if you have an idea for IOT or an improvement on Frank's design for spinny arm bot 52118, <laughs> let us know, write us in at mergeconflict.fm. There's a contact button. We'll put all the links into the show notes uh, below, but Frank, thank you so much. I'm going to Definitely try to build this live. It's going to happen. I got to get a soldering iron first. That's the first thing. It's going to happen. The real question is, will you design it or will you just go ahead first? I'm excited for both approaches. Good question. Or do we ask Brian to create a Hacker.io project first and then I I go and I implement from there? We Mm -hmm. shall see. Well, follow me on this journey at MergeConflict.fm. We'll update all of you. And of course, if you like this podcast, tell your friends. We'd appreciate that. And leave us a review. You can do that on the podcast app that you're listening on right now if your podcast app supports that. Uh, But that's going to do it for this week's Merge Conflict. So until next time, I'm James Montemagno. And I'm Frank Krueger. Thanks for listening. Peace. Peace.